Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast has been brought to you by Paleo Valley. They are one of my favorite companies because their products are super pure, full of incredible ingredients. And I want to tell you about their meat sticks. They have 100% grass-fed beef, pasture-raised turkey meat sticks that my family and I love. My kids love these because they have tons of flavor. They're completely free of carbs and sugar, and they have probiotics in them as well. So they're great for your gut, great for supporting your appetite, your satiety levels. They help you uh, feel satiated, and they help you burn fat for fuel. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, and preservative-free. So they are the top of the line. They've got some great flavors that you will absolutely love. And now you can use my coupon code, Jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to get 15% off your order today. Simply go to their website, paleovalley.com, and enter Jockers at checkout, and you'll receive 15% off your entire purchase. The link and discount code are also available in the show notes of today's episode. Once you try these meat sticks, you won't be able to get enough. I mean, my kids love these, my family loves these, and I know you will as well. So try them out, Paleo Valley, and I know you're gonna love them. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I have got the New York Times bestselling author right here, Dr. Stephen Gundry. We're talking about his new book, Unlocking the Keto Code. Dr. Gundry, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, appreciate it. Absolutely. Well. Let's start by talking about the plant paradox. You, you just told me that you're coming up on your fifth anniversary here. And this book really took the world by storm. Um, and a lot of people have obviously seen great health results by following your recommendations through it. So let's talk about that because there's a lot of people that do really great on plant-based diets and there's other people that don't do so well on it. And you had some ideas as far as why they may not do so well on it. Yeah, the um, you know we're coming up. Uh, April of 2017 was when it was published, so we're uh, five years uh, and two million copies and 36 foreign languages into the plant paradox. Wow. Um, so yeah, the plant paradox basically uh, was sad that uh, plants, believe it or not, don't want to be eaten. They uh, have a life. They uh, want their babies to survive their seeds and they use defenses against being eaten. And there are a number of them. Uh, one that I got really interested in was these sticky proteins called lectins. And <clears throat> lectins are 
present in almost all grains. They're, uh, certain gluten happens to be a lectin. They're present in nightshade family plants. They're present in peanuts and cashews. Beans are, are quintessential lectin-containing foods. And lectins <clears throat> work by uh, Dr. Alessio Fasano, who's now at Harvard, actually proved that uh, lectins like gluten are capable of sticking to the wall of our gut and making uh, a couple of chemicals that will actually break the tight junctions that hold the entire gut wall together and cause a leaky gut intestinal permeability. And if you think about it as a plant defense mechanism, uh, if you produce leaks in the wall of the gut and 70 to 80% of your immune system, white blood cells are lining the wall of the gut, and they see foreign particles coming across the gut as well as bacterial particles, you can produce some pretty impressive inflammation. Mm. And an animal that feels bad or doesn't thrive rapidly learns that when it eats these particular plants, uh, it doesn't do well and avoids them. <clears throat> As you and I both know, uh, we humans are rather stupid. So when we eat these things, um, we keep eating them and we take ibuprofen or you know, you what, whatever to alleviate our pain without realizing that it's coming from something we're eating. Yeah, absolutely. When we look at plants, they have a lot of different defense chemicals, like you were talking about the lectins, oxalates, which is something that my health coaching team looks at through a uh, urine organic acid test. We look at oxalate load. And so things like spinach, for example, some people are not able to metabolize spinach effectively. Chocolate, these things are higher in, you know, they, they obviously have a lot of nutrients in them, but they also have these anti nutrients that depending on your genetics, your microbiome, you may be able to metabolize better than somebody else. And uh, so, you know, we always, in, in functional medicine, we talk about how one man's superfood may be another man's poison, right? And it's really true. We have to look at these foods and see how our body is, uh, is really digesting them. I know for myself, too much plants definitely causes a lot of issues. Uh, in my younger years, I had irritable bowel, uh, severe leaky gut, right? Couldn't absorb nutrients. And I was a vegan or I wasn't yeah. a vegan. I was a vegetarian, right? So yeah. I was eating yeah. soy, soy burgers, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, beans, all of that kind of stuff. And just really destroyed my gut. And I know you talk a lot about, you know, your, your seven deadly disruptors for the yeah. gut. So let's, let's go into that a little bit. Yeah. And actually I, I'm going to kind of veer off on, there's a new uh, seven deadly disruptor that I think is fascinating. And it, it, this is, come up uh, in COVID, mm. uh, many people don't know that viruses <clears throat> are really good in and of themselves of causing leaky gut. And many of my patients with autoimmune disease often cite a viral illness as to when they you know, started getting sick. And we now know of long COVID. And I've been saying to anyone who listened that I think long COVID is, is frankly leaky gut and gut dysbiosis that's been caused by COVID. And just recently, a new paper published in Gut actually showed that people with long COVID have a totally <clears throat> deranged gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. And almost all of the good gut buddies that I talk about are gone in people with long COVID. And they've got a bunch of gang members growing. And so I think uh, 
boy, talk, talk about bringing it all home. Um, yeah. You know, Hipp Hippocrates said 2,500 years ago that all disease begins in the gut. And he didn't have our sophisticated tests. But the guy was right. Um, yeah. So getting back to deadly disruptors, I think one of the biggest uh, troublemakers is antibiotics, uh, both that we take, but probably more importantly, are fed to our animals. And little did we know, uh, I, was, I was actually a medical student when broad spectrum antibiotics came out in the 70s. And we just thought it was miraculous that, you know, we could give somebody a pill without worrying about having to identify which bacteria was causing this. We just, you know, shotgun everybody. And, you know, and it was miraculous. Little did we know that we were also miraculously killing off our tropical rainforest that lived in our gut, our gut microbiome. And fun fact that I've, I've written about, uh, I was at the University of Georgia, Medical College of Georgia for medical school uh, near you in Augusta. Yeah. And uh, one of my mentors, Arlie Mansberger, who was chairman of the Department of Surgery, we started seeing what we now know as C. difficile infections. And C. difficile is, is really a bad you know, infection of your, of your gut and could kill you. Mm. And he thought, and this was when broad spectrum antibiotics, we called it pseudomembranous enterocolitis. And you would scope somebody, uh, do a colonoscopy, and you'd see just the, the entire colon was inflamed and there was pus dripping from the colon wall. And he had this crazy idea. He says, you know, I think this has to do with something. We've been giving patients these antibiotics, and it's only these patients who get these that get this. He says, I think we should put friendly, good bacteria back in. And so medical students, hmm. once, once a week, they sent a honey pot around and we would take a crap in a plastic pot. True story. And we had a wearing blender in his lab and the medical students crap would go in the wearing blender and homogenize it. And then we take an enema bag and stuff our feces in the enema bag and shove it up, you know, these poor patients rear ends and give them a fecal enema back in the 1970s. Wow. And it cured them. And he used to he loved to show these pictures, you know, of before and after, and you know, a few a week later, everything's pristine, the colon's healed, just by putting, you know, crap up somebody's mm -hmm. ass. And, and that really affected me to this day. And I went, yeah. holy cow, you know, have we missed something? So there's just one example. Um, I think the second thing that I mentioned in my last book, the energy paradox, that has really come to the fore is glyphosate roundup and a lot of people still think of roundup and glyphosate as something the weed killer for gmo foods but what has happened in the last 10 years is that most conventional crops uh, are sprayed with roundup or one of its cousins uh, to desiccate the plant for harvesting that is kill it and let it dry out and it's really easy to harvest uh, any crop when it's dry than it is when it's still living. And so almost all of our wheat, oats, corn, rye, barley, uh, flax seeds, canola is sprayed with Roundup. Uh, certainly all of our soy is sprayed with Roundup. And Roundup in and of itself, glyphosate, can cause leaky gut without anything else needed. 
And uh, a lot of times, about 80% of my practice now is, is autoimmune disease. And we are very successful at uh, putting autoimmune disease in remission. I and others think that autoimmune disease is caused by leaky gut, and you fix the leaky gut and it goes away. Uh, and we'll have a lot of patients who resolve their issue, psoriasis or Crohn's or rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, uh, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, and they'll go over to Europe. And we've asked them to avoid, among other things, grains in the United States. And they go over to Europe and, oh, what the heck, they have some pasta or they have a croissant or they have a piece of pizza and they don't react. And they go, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I'm cured. I can have these things again. You know, my, my gut is back to normal. And they come back to the United States and almost to a person, they go, oh, okay, you know, I can have some bread. I can have uh, some pasta. And within a week, they flare. And, you know, they call me up and say, what the heck? You know, I, you know, I thought I was cured. And I said, well, problem is you were eating non-glyphosate treated food over in Europe and you're back eating our stuff. And I see this over and over again. And it's really a deadly disruptor and it's everywhere now. Yeah. They're spraying it all over the place. And, you know, there are things you can do, obviously try to get organic non-GMO. Right. You can look for the non-GMO certification. Um, but I mean, almost every restaurant you go to, they're using, uh, you know, glyphosate sprayed food. So it's, it's hard, especially if you're traveling, Right. Um, what do you think of like binders, like uh, fulvic acid or humic acid, uh, clay, yeah, so, things like that for helping to try to try to help your body get rid of it? Yeah, I think there's several strategies. Yeah. One, of course, is binding with fulvic acid. I've got mm. uh, I've got that in several of my products at yeah. my supplement company, Gundry MD. I think it's very useful. Yeah. Uh, Zach Bush has been a champion of that. I think the other idea, we know that uh, glyphosate wants to substitute for glycine. Yeah. And you can flood yourself with glycine so that those areas are not available. And I personally take three grams of glycine every night with some NAC for additional reasons, but also to flood my mitochondria. And, and I think that's a, you know, another reasonable trick because you're right. This stuff is everywhere. It's, I mean, it's in yeah. most American wine for goodness sakes. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think that's another thing the Europeans are way ahead of us on. Hmm. So many of their wines are organic and biodynamic and they certainly, you know, they've Roundup is rapidly being banned in Europe it, for, you know, it was getting a foothold because Bayer now owns um, yeah, Monsanto. But, you know, it's, it is amazing that I think the Europeans, well, the Europeans in general have always been a lot smarter about what they eat than Americans. True. Very true. Yep. So we've talked about obviously things that are disrupting the gut, the microbiome, now you've written your new book because you've written books on energy, longevity, and now you've kind of moved into this new book with keto. And keto is something that you touched on in some of your other books, the, right. the beneficial effects of ketones, but you went really on a deep dive here. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I've actually, um, I've used a ketogenic diet for my patients for you know over 22 years now. And uh, I have a ketogenic version of all my diets and all my books, including the Plant Paradox, Chapter 10, the Keto Intensive Care Program. And I, and I think most keto experts have always kind of uh, talked about 
ketones being number one, a, a miraculous fuel. And, and this was actually fed primarily by uh, an OND researcher from the NIH uh, by the name of Dr. Veach. And he, um, he was a mentor. Uh, he was actually a student of George Cahill at, uh, at Harvard. And they were actually both influenced by Hans Krebs, so the Krebs cycle fame. I am, yeah. He was convinced that uh, correctly that we, when we ran out of food, when we were starving, uh, just using glucose as a fuel, we would literally die uh, within a week or so because we would literally use up all sources of glucose, even breaking down our muscles for glucose. And he, he reasoned that there, there had to be some other fail-safe system. And, and he was the guy who proposed that we could shift over if we had metabolic flexibility to burning free fatty acids as a fuel for our mitochondria. And he uh, knew that free fatty acids were too big to get through the blood-brain barrier to feed our brain cells, but that by either design or chance, some free fatty acids could go to the liver where the liver converts them into ketone bodies, which are small, short-chain fatty acids that happen to be water-soluble. And interestingly, the liver cannot use ketone bodies. So the liver releases them into circulation, and they get through the blood-brain barrier, and they can keep neurons alive during the time that you were starving. Now, he took it one step further, and he said, well, these are a super fuel, and we really ought to be trying to starve 24 hours a day, every day. And he made the cover of Time magazine. And he says, starvation should be our natural state. Well, what he didn't know, and this was actually brought up by a, a student of Dr. Cahill, uh, Dr. Owens at Harvard, is looking at human studies <clears throat> of ketone production. Humans will use ketones as their primary fuel for their muscle for about three days after starvation, stopping eating, fasting. But very rapidly, muscles change over to using free fatty acids. And after 30 days, for instance, <clears throat> only 30% of all energy requirements can be met by full ketosis in humans. Yeah. 30%. Now, the brain is the same way. We've known for years now that ketones will help the brain. And, but even at full ketosis, the brain still will use 30 to 40% of its energy as glucose. And so the idea that ketones were some miraculous fuel was actually not there in you know, experiments on humans. So when I was trying to explain in my last book, The Energy Paradox, the benefit of ketones, you know, I kept running into this wall going, well, wait a minute, <clears throat> they're not a superfuel. What are they doing if they're not telling our mitochondria to be e efficient fat burners and it's this efficient fat burning that makes us lose weight and has all the benefits? And from the literature, which was kind of staring me in the face, it was clear that ketones were signaling molecules. Mm. And they were telling, among other things, mitochondria, 
how things were going in the outside world and to literally protect themselves from the harsh conditions that, for instance, starvation is one of them. Yeah. So that got me you know, going down this rabbit hole. And a couple of fascinating things came out. Uh, one, and I recommend anyone listening and watching um, get this article. It's short. It's easy. It's by a, a PhD by the name of Martin Brand. And in 2000, he had noticed that ketones uh, were causing mitochondria to protect themselves. And they protect themselves by what we'll talk about in a minute. And that is uncoupling the burning of energy to the production of ATP. So uncoupling oxygenation, respiration from ATP production. And it's called mitochondrial uncoupling. And he found that if you were starving, that your mitochondria aggressively make less energy from the available fuel, and which makes absolutely no sense. Because if you think about it, if we don't have much fuel, we would want to become incredibly efficient and preserve every last little ounce of calories and get every last bit of ATP out of that. Ketones tell mitochondria that hard times are really ahead and to protect yourself at all costs. And as you and I know, making energy, making ATP is incredibly hard work, is incredibly damaged. Reactive oxygen species, free radicals, um, and that's damaging to mitochondria. So mitochondria have a system of taking huge amount of the calories that enter the electron transport chain and basically throwing them out of emergency exits. And this is called mitochondrial uncoupling uncoupling burning calories from making ATP. And Dr. Brand said, the mitochondria will do this to number one, save their own lives, number one, because if they die, that's it, there's nothing. Number two, ketones stimulate them to make more of themselves, mitogenesis. Why? Because if you get more, each each individual mitochondria doesn't have to do as much work, doesn't have to make as much ATP. And as you and I know, mitochondria have their own DNA. And so mitochondria can replicate in the cell without the cell dividing. So he showed, number one, that mitochondria throw a lot of calories away. Number two, they make more of themselves. And number three, they stimulate mitochondrial protection, uh, mitophagy, and protect themselves. So as contrary as it is, mitochondria are stimulated by ketones to throw a lot of calories away and protect themselves and build more mitochondria. And when you look at it that way, you go, oh my gosh, ketones are good for you because they're actually in the end telling mitochondria to waste calories. And the reason a ketogenic diet should promote weight loss is that you're literally doing a caloric bypass on your mitochondria. You're throwing a lot of calories out the back door. Now, why do we do that? Well, it turns out that at rest, you and I, 30% of all the calories we eat are uncoupled in our mitochondria at rest. Why do we do that? Well, uncoupling, throwing these calories away, 
uh, produces heat. And you and I are warm-blooded animals. And so it's heat production that's part of that. Mm -hmm. We also know about brown fat. Well, brown fat is brown because it's actually loaded with mitochondria. It's got so many mitochondria, and it, it literally looks brown under the microscope. And those mitochondria are profoundly uncoupled. And so they, uh, they are the heat generating part of our fat. And you know, we can pick them up on PET scans. Um, so the other thing that piqued my interest in terms of ketones and the other things that could act like ketones, and that's the second part of the book, is if in fact ketones are signaling molecules that tell mitochondria to uncouple and protect themselves, are there other things that do this as well? And there was uh, a lot of people have maybe have not heard back in World War One, munition workers in France and Germany who were building bombs were, were very skinny, and they ate huge amounts of food, but they couldn't keep weight on. And they actually were noted to be running temperatures. And after the war, scientists began to figure out that one of the compounds that's used in making gunpowder and ammunition is a compound called 2,4-dinitrophenol. Uh, now, remember that word phenol. It'll come in a second. So it's called 2,4-DNP. And some doctors at Stanford in 1930 said, son of a gun, this 2,4-DNP DNP was increasing the metabolic rate, basal metabolic rate of these workers and they were burning huge amounts of calories without making energy. And so they said, wow, what a weight loss drug. So, <laughs> so they actually wrote over 100,000 prescriptions in the 1930s to Americans as a weight loss drug. And it was miraculous. A small amount of DNP would make you lose a pound a week. But if you increase the amount of DMP, you could lose up to five pounds per week. Wow. Doing nothing but taking DMP. Now, that's miraculous. Unfortunately, people started running high fevers. They began to have thyroid dysfunction. They developed cataracts in their eyes. And this was before cataract surgery. And then there were a bunch of deaths from high dose DMP. Now, looking back, we know why those people died, because they uncoupled so much of their mitochondria that they literally could not produce enough ATP to, to survive. But people, researchers, have actually been studying low-dose DNP ever since that time. And when I stumbled upon it, uh, one of my claims to fame is I'm a huge fan of polyphenols. Poly, yep. polyphenols. And it turns out that polyphenols are not great antioxidants, but it turns out that polyphenols are actually great mitochondrial uncouplers. Mm. And yeah, and it turns out that, and I talk about this in the book, and it's really nerdy, but it's kind of fun. Plants use mitochondria, uh, which are called chloroplasts, mm -hmm. to take photons and combine them with CO2 and make glucose and ATP and oxygen. So exactly reverse engineering of a mitochondria. But 
oxygen is damaging to our mitochondria and sunlight photons is damaging to plant mitochondria chloroplast so you have to have a system to protect the chloroplast from damage from photons and it just so happens that plants manufacture polyphenols to uncouple their chloroplasts mm. to protect them from the damage of sunlight. And you can show that, and you and I know, that the more a plant is stressed, the higher the altitude it is, the worse the growing conditions, the more polyphenols it will produce to protect its mitochondria, its chloroplasts. And it just so happens that the benefit of us eating polyphenol-rich plant material is that we then, thanks to our gut microbiome, convert those polyphenols into usable forms that in fact uncouple our mitochondria. Hmm. And that, it turns out, that when we say, well, we should eat the rainbow in terms of foods, what we're actually saying, and I propose in the book, is that we should eat to uncouple our mitochondria. And yeah. that's the benefit that's of That's fascinating, because I know that eating polyphenols, <clears throat> the gut bacteria will turn those into things like urolithins, right. Right, which, which helps stimulate uh, mytophagy, right? Correct. And yeah. uh, just overall, I mean, talking going back to the gut, so the, specifically in the gut, you get more of that mitochondrial biogenesis from eating those polyphenols specifically on that gut lining, which if there's any tissue you want to be as strong and as, um, stress resilient, it's that tissue, right? So it has a great effect there. And you're saying also that's going to get out in circulation and impact all the cells systemically. Yeah, correct. Well. And, and you're right. In the longevity paradox, one of my other, uh, New York times bestsellers, it, it turns out that the integrity of the gut wall. Yeah is really the sole determining factor of how long you're going to live and how well you're going to live, health span. And it's that integrity that is slowly broken, broken down, and I, I call it hordes at the gate, uh, once bacteria and other particles begin to infiltrate past, and it, past the gut wall, that's when things all fall apart. So you're right. It turns out that polyphenols, ingested polyphenols are, we now realize are prebiotics to gut bacteria. So not only do gut bacteria flourish, they then, the first thing they do is send postbiotic signals, right. postbiotic compounds to the wall of the gut. And I go into another amazing postbiotic butyrate, yeah. which most people uh, know our colon cells are dependent on butyrate as the fuel. Uh, but butyrate, about 10% of all butyrate production is released systemically and is also used by a fuel, as a fuel. And mitochondria, turns out, love butyrate and butyrate uncouples mitochondria. So it's, it's kind of this, it's a win-win-win identifying these compounds that can actually effectively act as signaling molecules, just like ketones are signaling molecules. And so the purpose of the book was, hey guys, you can, you can have the benefits of ketones knowing now what they're actually doing without having to do this 
quite frankly, boring 60 to 80 percent high fat diet that that gets old, you know, fairly quickly. In, in effect, you know, 60 percent of people who embark on a ketogenic diet stop within a month because either they can't take it anymore or it's not producing the results they wanted. Um, so yeah. that's what's so exciting about this. So once you break, once you unlock the code of what ketones do, it opens up all these great ways to unlock, uncouple your mitochondria. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about C60 Purple Power. It is one of my new favorite supplements, and it's really the most powerful antioxidant that I've found to help lift the oxidative burden at the cellular level. It basically acts like a free radical sponge that helps your body heal itself by optimizing mitochondrial efficiency. You see, your mitochondria will produce energy within all the cells. The healthier your mitochondria function, the healthier you are gonna function. Taking C60 has been shown to help promote longevity, fight inflammation, boost immune function, support healthy aging, healthy joints, and increase your energy and mental clarity naturally. My favorite brand of C60 is C60 Purple Power, which offers 99.99% pure sublimated carbon 60 that's never been exposed to solvents, and it's delivered in 100% certified organic oils. They've got it in avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, MCT coconut oil, and they also have some unique flavors like cinnamon and orange flavored. It's amazing. You guys will love it. Most users notice an increase in energy and mental clarity after 30 days of daily use. Just take a teaspoon a day and you can add it into your routine whenever it's most convenient. Guys, to check out C60 Purple Power, go to shopc60.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers. Just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S at checkout for 15% off. Again, that's shopc60.com forward slash jockers. Use the coupon code jockers at checkout for 15% off today. Yeah, for sure. And, and really the idea with the ketogenic diet, why it's so high in fat was the idea was you're eating foods, you're getting in your calories, but you're not increasing your insulin because you know, insulin is kind of this master hormone in the body and everybody has a, has a certain threshold for how much insulin you need to produce to stop fat burning. Right. And once insulin gets under that threshold, your body starts burning fat, you start producing these ketones. Right. And again, the idea was there was that now you use the ketones as the energy source. Right. But what you're saying and what, you know, the latest science is saying is that basically ketones are acting as a metabolic sensor telling the body, and it's kind of hard to put in words because it's not really it telling is. the cells to become more efficient, although it's actually you know, telling them to become less efficient. Yeah. They're becoming less efficient, <laughs> but your body as a whole is becoming more efficient. Correct. Yeah. It's it's really when you it's really when I saw this, you know, I and I used to tell people and I wrote about it in my book, oh, you're becoming an efficient fat burner. Well, right. in fact, you're actually becoming an inefficient <laughs> fat burner. And it, it, but a more efficient human being. That's exactly right. And, and here's the here's the take home point. We can actually look at mitochondrial uncoupling proteins. It turns out there's there's five of them in our mitochondria that literally open uh, emergency exits in the electron transport chain. And they allow protons to escape without making ATP. 
Now, what's interesting, you still burn oxygen. And so your metabolic rate actually goes up, and yet your, your ATP production goes down. But you're literally wasting calories. You, you're doing a caloric bypass, and that's one of the reasons we lose weight if we're doing a ketogenic diet. Right. But getting back to your point of insulin, normally, as you know, and your listeners know, insulin is the fat storage hormone. Mm -hmm. So when back long ago, when we got our kill of bison or we found a fruit tree, we wouldn't say, oh, I'm watching my weight. We would you know, gorge ourselves on this because we didn't know when the next meal was. No refrigeration. No yeah, refrigeration. no, there was nothing. Yeah. You know, we didn't crawl out of our cave and say, might try to salt it. Maybe it'll last yeah. a little bit longer, but you know, when you had a yeah. meal, you ate as much as you could. Right. And so in, insulin would facilitate taking those calories and putting them into storage, turning them into fat. Now, what's important is if you're trying to store fat, the last thing you want to do is take fat out of storage. So insulin, you're right, blocks the release of fat from fat stores. So most Americans, actually most people in the world now, I have chronically elevated insulin levels. Yeah. We are insulin resistant. Because our insulin is high, even if we stop eating, normally within about eight hours of stopping eating, we would actually start releasing fat from fat cells and we would start generating ketones. But with insulin being elevated, the door is locked to those fat cells. Yeah. And it can take, unfortunately, days, sometimes weeks for people to drop their insulin levels low enough that they can assess their fat cell. So there's a work around this, which has been known about since actually the ketogenic diet of 100 years ago, and that is MCT oil, medium chain triglycerides, are not absorbed like any other fat. They're absorbed directly through the wall of the gut without any carrier molecules, and they go directly to the liver where they're converted directly into ketones. So you can actually have a tablespoon of MCT oil and you can generate a pretty nice level of ketones yeah. within a half an hour of, of having that MCT oil. So this is actually- when it comes to the MCTs, you have your C8, C10, and C12. Your C8 and C10 are more ketogenic. Ketogenic, right? correct. Yeah, yeah C C12 lauric acid is pretty useless, quite frankly. Yeah. And fun fact, the, the most of the C's in uh, MCTs are named after goat, uh, caprylic acid, capric wow. acid. It's the genus of goat uh, in Latin. Hmm, and it that. turns out that goat products and sheep right. products, 30% of the calories are MCTs. Wow. And yeah. so another great way around this is not only you can generate ketones without being on a ketogenic diet by having MCT oil, but you can get goat sheep, uh, goat or sheep cheeses, you can have goat kefirs, you can have goat yogurt, you can have sheep yogurt, and accomplish generating ketones uh, even without being on a ketogenic diet. Yeah, and that's yeah. a higher percentage, 30%, than coconut oil, because coconut oil is like 50% MCT, but most of it, I think it's, it's like 12. 35, 35 of that 50% is lauric acid. So it's only about 15% C8 and C10. That's so right. Get, get that higher, uh, higher amount in the goat and sheep cheese. Yeah. And something that we actually cut from the, the actual book that was in the manuscript that is 
fascinating. Um, there are blue zones in the world with you know extreme longevity, and I happen to be the only nutritionist that spent most of my life in Loma Linda, California, the, the only blue zone in the United States. But what's unique about two of the blue zones, one, uh, the mountainous area of Sardinia, an island uh, of Italy, and the Nagoyan Peninsula in Costa Rica, these are two of the other blue zones. And uh, it's said that they have incredible longevity because of all the grains and beans that they eat, and they do. But it turns out the mountainous Sardinians are sheep and goat herders. Right. And th their health has been compared to the health of the Sardinians who live down by the ocean, uh, Mediterranean Sea. And it turns out the Sardinians who live down by the sea have no increased longevity. Hmm. But it's actually the uncoupling from the MCTs in the goat and sheep that is the definitive feature of that culture. Same way the Nagoyan Peninsula are sheep and goat herders, and they eat a huge amount of sheep and goat products, unlike any other parts of Costa Rica. So it's not the grains and beans, as Dan Butner would like to have you believe, in those two places. It's actually the cheeses that are uncoupling these folks' mitochondria. Final point to that, if you look at super old people, folks 105 years of age and older, they have the highest mitochondrial uncoupling proteins of any human being. Wow. Wow. So it's like, boy, I guess I really want to uncouple my mitochondria. Um, and, and the book is, okay, here's how to do it, you know, fun and easy. You don't have to suffer yeah. through a ketogenic diet to you know, get the benefits of right. signaling molecules. Final fun fact on that, and then we will go on to other things. Um, there is the cost of living hypothesis in aging, and that is the, the, the higher your metabolic rate, probably the shorter your, your lifespan, and the lower your metabolic rate, the longer your lifespan. And there's a lot of apparent truth to that. Small animals with a very high metabolic rate don't live very long. Yeah. Elephants, whales live a very long time. And so that's attractive. The problem yeah. with associations are they're, they're not actually correct. For instance, birds have extremely long lifespans, and yet birds have incredibly high metabolic rates. Parrots can live 80 to 100 years. A hummingbird in captivity, which has one of the highest metabolic rates of all time, can live 10 years. In captivity, you know, it's a little thing yeah, yeah. that's outside my window. Um, well, not up here. Uh, but so, what's going on? Well, it turns out that birds have the highest uncoupled mitochondria of any species, mm. and they uncouple their mitochondria in the case of hummingbirds by retinoic acid, vitamin A, that they get from the nectar of mm. flowers. And most birds eat seeds, and the seeds actually contain high amounts of polyphenols. So they're uncoupling their mitochondria through the food they eat. So would you say that the more oxidation that takes place, like within the mitochondria from burning energy, from burning some sort of energy source, whether it's glucose or fatty acids or something like that, the faster it ages and the uncoupling turns down the amount of oxidation, just want to make sure I'm getting this yeah. right. The, so what happens with uncoupling is you uncouple 
the joining of oxygen with a proton to produce ATP. Normally, you have to couple an oxygen molecule with a proton to produce ATP. And that's where the word coupling comes from. But what happens in uncoupling, you still burn oxygen, but it no longer goes through the damaging cycle of producing free radicals, reactive oxygen species. So it does not damage the mitochondria. And that's what's so weird. Yeah, you're going to have a higher metabolic rate, but it's not at the cost of damaging mitochondria. Amazing. And that's what it, and it's hard to grasp and it's hard to explain. And believe me, I spent <laughs> your six, head wrapped around this. I, yeah, I, I spent six months even with my editor saying, couldn't we choose a different word than uncoupling? And we kept coming back to it because the scientific literature, that's actually what the phenomenon right. is. And it, it's hard to explain it any other way. Um, you're basically doing a caloric bypass. You're wow. you're taking a lot of the calories you eat, and you're just kind of throwing them out a side door. And yeah, so it's oxidation without the damaging effects of oxygen. And that's exactly what plants do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, the other way that I haven't mentioned, and I should, the energy paradox uh, was to try and teach people how to do uh, intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating. Because um, there's a researcher at the NIH where I was once a fellow uh, by the name of Raphael DeCabo. And I'm fascinated with his work. DeCabo basically looked at calorie-restricted animals. And calorie restriction is one of the only known ways to extend lifespan. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, these are controlled experiments where we're putting out the ration of this rat or mouse at a particular time of day. And if you're given 30% less calories than what you would normally want to eat, and it's only put out one time of day, you're really hungry. And you're going to eat that meager amount very quickly. And it'd be gone. And then the rest of the 24 hours, you'd be fasting, you'd be starving. And he says, I think that the benefit of calorie restriction is not the fact that we're cutting calories. It's that we've actually extended the fasting period when these animals aren't eating compared to their litter mates. Mm-hmm. And so he designed an elegant series of experiments to prove that. And long story short, he proved that it was actually the shortening of the time window of eating that made all the benefits. And it turns out that the shorter you compact your window of eating, the longer a period of time that you produce ketones in a 24-hour cycle. And so the benefit of this restricted eating window was that your mitochondria were exposed to four to six hours more mitochondrial uncoupling effect from ketones than normal. And he showed that um, doing this in a mouse model, if we did that, if we restricted our eating to a six to eight hour window, uh, we would extend not only our lifespan, uh, but our health span by about 10 years. 
Yeah, amazing. And, and he also showed that that effect, that those animals did not develop any Alzheimer or tau plaques in their brain as compared to animals that ate all day. And he showed that liver cancer, which is how a lot of rats and mice die, was profoundly suppressed in these animals. So, well, you know, my, my audience, I'm a huge advocate of fasting, actually this book right back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There it is. Yeah. Fasting transformation right there. So we're all, we're all about that. And uh, you know, kind of going back to kind of the top there, how the mitochondrial will, will adapt like that. You know, when we're fasting, we can eat the same amount of calories in, you know, five, six meals in a long window, as opposed to, let's say two meals or three meals in a condensed window and we'll produce significantly less insulin, somewhere between like 25 to 40% overall insulin load drops. So again, we have lower levels of insulin. And so we're going to spend more time under that threshold, that insulin threshold. So now we can turn up the production of ketones. Yeah. And then turn up autophagy where we're repairing those cells, repairing the mitochondria and, uh, you know, creating more of that uncoupling effect. Yeah, there was a beautiful study that I talked about in The Energy Paradox and now in this book, Unlocking the Keto Code of Italian cyclists who were put on a three-month program. Uh, they all had to eat the same meal. They all had to eat at a training table. And the only thing that was changed is half the athletes ate in a 12-hour window and the other, the other athletes ate in a seven-hour window. Same amount of calories, mm-hmm. same exercise program. Uh, it turns out that only the athletes that condensed their eating window actually lost weight. Yeah. Only the athletes who, redu- who had a reduced eating window dramatically lowered their insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1, which yeah. I think is still, for most of us, the best measurement we have of aging that is readily accessible. And so, yeah, and it was the same calories, the same exercise program. And you're right. So what did these guys do? They basically told their mitochondria to protect themselves, to repair themselves, to waste calories, as strange as it seems, and all in the process of you know protecting themselves. And they did. And they got better. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, so fascinating. So let's talk about you know your keto code program, because you said, okay, you don't have to follow a 60 to 80% fat diet. So not, you don't have to follow this high fat diet. So what are the applications here? So I think one of the easiest things for most people, if, if I can hold your hand and begin to have you eat breakfast, break fast one hour later each week than you would normally do. Uh, so for instance, let's suppose you have breakfast at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, First week, I want you to have your breakfast at nine o'clock in the morning. We'll do that all week. Then on the weekends, you get to take the week, the weekend off. Uh, there's really some cool studies out of uh, Chicago that shows that if I give you a break on the weekends, you'll stick to what I ask you to do for five days. And so next week, we're going to go, we're going to have breakfast at 10 o'clock in the morning instead of nine o'clock. The following week, so we'll do that all week. Next week, we're going to have it at 11 o'clock can't quite get there. Okay, let's back up. We'll have it at 1030. Still can't do it. Have a tablespoon of MCTO oil or have a plain goat yogurt, have a plain sheep yogurt. Um, There's some beautiful work by my colleague at USC, Walter Longo, who's shown that in 
metabolically uh, flexible people that you can have a nut bar and, and he makes one called the fast bar, yeah. a cute name, uh, and it will not affect ketone production. So you could have a nut bar or a handful of nuts at seven o'clock in the morning and then not eat until your next meal at 11 or noon and you'd still be in a ketogenic state. So what I'm trying to do is teach people tricks to accomplish what they really want and that is burn free fatty acids, lower insulin, and have the ketone effect with easy to do things. The other thing that we do is show people that the more uncoupling polyphenols they get in their diet, the more you will automatically have your mitochondria get the ketone effect. And so um, olive oil is just a potent yeah. source of polyphenols. Dark, dark uh, fruits and vegetables. And what I actually do is ask people to reverse juice. Everybody's got a juicer in their house. Uh, it's, you know, probably sitting in a cupboard someplace. Yeah. Buy yourself some organic dark greens, dark fruits, juice them, throw the juice away, which is pure fructose. Believe it or not, a glass of fresh squeezed orange <laughs> juice has more sugar than a can of soda, more. So throw that away. Take the pulp, which is pure polyphenols and prebiotic fiber, mix that into your goat or sheep yogurt or coconut yogurt, and you're gonna have the best you know, ketogenic uncoupling food in the world. If you make too much of it, get yourself some silicone ice trays, put them in there, freeze them, and then make yourself some polyphenol uncoupling dessert. Take some, you know, goat or sheep yogurt, and it's easy to find these days, and stir that in, and it'll freeze it, and it's absolutely delicious, and the recipe's in the book. Beautiful. So your some of your top polyphenol foods that you're consuming on a regular basis, I know you're a huge fan of olive oil, ideally, you know, fresh pressed extra virgin in the dark glass bottle to protect it from oxidation. Correct. Right. So you got to get the right type of olive oil um, and then dark color, basically vegetables with a lot of color. Like I'm a huge advocate of berries. So I do a lot of berries on a regular basis. I make it like a smoothie protein shake with, you know, raspberries, blackberries. Uh, yeah. And, and you bring up a, like yeah, that. you bring up a good point. Um, right now, all of our fruits have been bred for sugar content. Yeah. And, you know, when I was growing up, blueberries were these bitter little things that you had yeah. to put a half a cup of sugar on to make them edible, which is great. Uh, but now, you know, they're the size of grapes and that's because they've been bred for sugar content. But you're right. You mentioned raspberries and blackberries. They have actually the lowest sugar content of right. the berries right now. Blueberries are kind of down the list now because they've been bred for sugar content. Mm. So, and what you're really looking for is the skin and the seeds are actually where the polyphenols are hiding. So yeah, blackberries and raspberries are, are your best bets on that. If you want another low fructose fruit, um, grapefruits are actually a low fructose fruit. And the pith of a grapefruit has some of the best sources of quercetin, which is an, in itself a great uncoupling polyphenol. Uh, probably the best handheld fruit to eat is a kiwi fruit. Mm. And please chop the ends off and eat the peel. It takes us a little getting used to, but 
the fuzz of that mm. peel is loaded with polyphenol. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun you fact. Chew it a little bit. It gives your mouth, yeah. your jaw yeah. a little workout. But yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. The other thing that's important is um, we now know that prebiotic fiber, particularly uh, soluble fiber, is what our gut buddies like. And the butyrate producing bacteria literally have to have prebiotic fiber to produce butyrate. And so the more prebiotic fiber we can ingest, inulin happens to be one of my favorite. Inulin you can use as a sweetener, but inulin is highly contained in the chicory family of vegetables. I just had a chicory-based salad for lunch yesterday. Uh, radicchio, that Italian red lettuce, which is not lettuce at all, is a chicory family. Uh, sunchokes, Jerusalem artichokes, are basically pure inulin. Um, the, the onion, garlic family, leek family, huge amounts of inulin. Asparagus is loaded with inulin. So the more we kind of eat these vegetables, the more prebiotic fiber our gut bacteria make, which is actually going to be the substrate among other things, for beta-hydroxybutyrate, uh, which everybody knows is BHB, one of the ketone bodies that's yeah. most important. So yeah. lastly, another fun fact, another short-chain omega, uh, sorry, short-chain fatty acid, which is from the process of fermentation, is acetone, acetate, acetic acid. Acetic that's acid, where have we heard that? Vinegar. I was about to ask you that, so I'm it glad. It turns out, apple cider vinegar yeah. works because it's a mitochondrial uncoupling. Mm. So we don't have to, you know, we don't have to go far afield to say, holy cow, all of these really healthy foods have really one thing in common, and that is they all promote in one way or another mitochondrial uncoupling. And the more you uncouple your mitochondria to a point, uh, the better your health. Awesome. So to summarize, mitochondrial uncoupling is really the secret behind getting into ketosis. And the effects of mitochondrial uncoupling are less oxidation and inflammation in your body. You feel inflammation as pain. You see it as aging in your skin, um, better fat burning in general. Well, yep. Yeah, your body is 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 getting rid of extra calories, so you end up obviously turning up the fat burning, weight loss, yep, yep, um, and improve brain health too. We didn't even really talk as much about that, but the the brain is so dense in mitochondria, so we're improving mitochondrial function. We get those uh, neuro neurogenerative benefits, right, where we reduce inflammation in the brain. Right. It, it turns out that the the benefits of ketones in the brain are not what we thought. They right. were not. They're not acting as a super fuel. Yeah. What they are doing is uncoupling mitochondria in the brain, and that actually increases the heat in neurons. And neurons, believe it or not, love to operate at a high temperature. Mm. And when the mitochondria are stimulated in the brain by ketones or other effects like heat or cold, for instance, they actually make more of themselves. You get mitochondrial, you know, mitogenesis. And the more mitochondria in your neurons, the healthier they are. And we know all, all of these neurodegenerative diseases are really at their basis, mitochondrial dysfunction. And yeah. we can talk about what caused that, but this is our American diet is perfect yeah. for causing brain mitochondrial dysfunction. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a wonderful interview, Dr. Gundry. I could, I could do another hour or two. I could do a Joe Rogan style four hour interview <laughs> with you because uh, you're just so fascinating. You got a lot of great knowledge and uh, you know, I just love this topic and, and going deep on it. So thanks so much for your time, guys. The book is Unlocking the Keto Code. Unlocking the Keto Code comes out March 8th, I believe. March 8th. Yep. 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 So guys, be the first to get it. And so you can start telling your friends about uncoupling the mitochondria, right? And start sharing that term, uh, hashtag it, right? Tag yeah. Dr. Gundry, right? And uh, share that message. And so yeah. thanks again so much for your time, Dr. Gundry. Really appreciate you. Any yeah, last words of inspiration for our audience? Well, actually, uh, as a special gift to your listeners, uh, if they go over to GundryMD.com, mm -hmm. which is my supplement and food company, and use the code GUNDRY30, you'll get 30% off everything in the store of first-time customers. So it's a great deal. Believe yeah. All right. Take advantage of that. Gundry30 over at drgundry.com. Right, Dr. Yeah, Gundry MD. Gundry MD. So, Gundry MD. That's right. Yeah, dot com. Exactly. Dot com. Awesome. Thanks so much again, Dr. Gundry. And guys, we'll see you in a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.